it was just two months, like from the time I canceled and then a couple of weeks just in limbo. And then all of a sudden we were like, okay, we have a month and a half to pull this off. How do we do this? Welcome to season two, episode three of the Innovation Day podcast. I'm your host, Neil Follett. Not that this podcast is intended to give you that last little push to start your own thing, but if you need a push, this one might just do the trick. In this episode, we talk to Bern Euler, executive director and founder of the Canadian Film Festival. Bern started the Film Fest in 2004 while working for a Canadian cable company that he wisely doesn't name. Bern takes us on a journey that begins with working on your holiday time and maxing out your credit cards through a pandemic shutdown to the theaters being filled once more. He does the whole thing with a sense of humor and a deep appreciation for a great party. Burn, it is a treat to have you on season three of the Innovation Day podcast. Oh, shucks, Neil. <laughs> so before I get into the, what is step one of starting a film festival, maybe just describe for folks who are listening, what is the festival? Give us a bit of a flavor and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of take a journey back in time. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, simply put, the Canadian Film Fest is a film festival that only shows Canadian movies, shorts and features. We have a great um, industry series, which has networking events, panel discussions, workshops, uh, all that funky stuff uh, that differs on a year-to-year basis. We keep like to keep it fresh. And, uh, and parties, of course. We have parties. Yes. So that yeah. is it in a knuckle shell, as I like to say. So, and maybe not even in that order of importance. Sometimes it's the parties, and then the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Parties are so big. Like we have, <laughs> we got known for our our parties. Like, well, right up until COVID. Have you heard yes. of COVID? Yeah, you know, that happened. That? Yeah, uh, we yeah because and, and the thing is, there are a couple of reasons why the parties are so important. Is one networking gets done and people meet each other and handshakes are made and you know projects get started at them. Uh, the other thing is, uh, while it looks glamorous, filmmaking is just a terrible thing to do for a profession. And pe- <laughs> people need to let loose. Our filmmakers... All you young listeners who are considering a career yeah, in film. Right? Yeah. It's it's tough. So when you, you know, you're in a room full of people who are doing the same thing as you, it's nice to feel appreciated that somebody's throwing you a party. And, and I think that's important. Absolutely. So I, I owned an advertising agency for a long time, and we were also known for our parties and uh, advertising. Maybe a more fun industry than than film, but in, well, in yeah, because you guys you guys get to pay re- your rent with the money you make. That's like the big difference. So let's go back. We'll, we'll catch up. I know I know things changed interestingly for for you, like a lot of businesses during COVID. But where did this start? How did this start? Was Little Burn always dreaming of running a film fest when you were, you know, in the playground? Like, talk to me. No, no, but it's like I started, it was back in 2004. Like I said, well, I think I was 30, 31 or something like that when I started, like I dreamt up the idea. And uh, that's, you know, because you're young and you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And you think, oh, yeah, show a movie, throw a party. How hard could that be? And then <laughs> next thing you know, you're you're barely surviving and uh, people are having fun and people think it's a glamorous lifestyle. But you're like, I work in a cupboard under the stairs and all I do <laughs> is look at spreadsheets and email people. <laughs> like you're basically kicking Harry Potter out of your office. Yeah. To- <laughs> oh, you got the reference. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And uh, But yeah, so then, you know, you uh, 
you weave that magic, boom, and you uh, figure you're going to, you love movies, you love Canada, you're going to put the two together, you're going to try to have some fun and support some people uh, while you do it. And um, and then things just get more complicated, more complicated, and you don't, you, you don't realize until it's too late that not everybody shares your passion. So then you have to get them interested. You have to, the, you, getting sponsorships, I think in Canada especially is, uh, for a Canadian thing, is extremely difficult. And getting, accessing government money is so incredibly difficult, even though you're Canadian and it's just, your your mandates might line up with exactly, you know, this organization, that organization, it's still very difficult. And I didn't, expect that when I started. I thought, oh yeah, this is gonna be easy. This is a great idea. Like many entrepreneurs, you were thank you were thank you were thankful that you didn't know what you didn't know or you never yeah, would have done right? right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's one of the the things about diving headfirst into something is that yeah, it might not work, but it might work. So take me to 2004. You, you said you love Canada, you love films, how hard can it be? What were you doing before you did this, did you work in film? Did you work in the industry and you saw a need? Or or was this literally just a, I really love this and I think this could be a thing? It was like, it was back in the day when I did a lot of writing and I wanted to write for for movies or, or TV or whatever. And uh, so I wanted to meet people. And I've got a little social anxiety kicking around. I don't like to go to other people's things. So I thought, well, if I throw a thing... <laughs> Then I'll meet a lot of people. No, no better me. way to conquer your social anxiety than to be the host, which means that you're in the center of attention. <laughs> That's the way to do it, right? But then, uh, but you know, it, it worked. It worked out in that that I, you know, met a lot of people and I had a lot of opportunities. Like my writing never went anywhere. But I, I don't know. You know, it's like you think you want it. You, it's like you know what? It's like it's like any good movie. The main character want something they go after what they want but they don't realize what they actually need and when they get what they actually need you get a satisfying conclusion so that's the kind of like i just fell into like i'm like oh i actually i'm pretty good at throwing events this is kind of fun and it gets very flexible a very flexible lifestyle so if i go back to the early days and again i i do know that things shifted pretty dramatically over the last few years but were the early days just a much smaller version of the festival as it grew? Or were there sort of components of it that you just realized like this is not gonna work and yeah. we need to we need to focus in and and like help me understand how this evolves over time? Well, right at the beginning, and I still do this to some extent, but especially right at the beginning, uh, I just figured, okay, what are the, what is the one most important thing? is that the movies have to play perfectly. Like there there can't be not not one filmmaker is allowed to complain. I won't let it happen. Right? So I yep. made sure that I, I we started off at the Royal down um, in Little Italy and they just take their movies so they still do. They're still amazing with that. So the movies had to play perfectly. After that I thought okay, everything was gravy and I'll just put, you know, I'll just I'll throw a party. And opening and closing night parties. And they were like, at the beginning, it was like, oh, let's go meet up at this bar. <laughs> yeah. It was because I have no money. I barely covered my costs and let's just do that. So um, I was able, I don't think I'd be able to do it like that if I started this today. 
no, I know I wouldn't be able to to make it happen if I started today because everything is so crazy expensive now and money's so hard to come by. And um, I, so I, then, you know, I made sure those two things happened and I didn't have any industry series because I'm like, I barely know what I'm doing. Let's just throw, let's have somewhere to go to have drinks afterwards after a perfect movie is played. So that first year was about establishing ourselves and and you know our brand and you know uh figuring out what it took to at at least make that run perfectly so nobody could say a bad thing also i kind of like hosting because i like when like i like when people come to my house even and i want them to have a good time and you know i make sure that they're well taken care of i do the same thing at the festival i always have tried to do that and everybody who works with me is uh, the same mindset is like we're hosting these people whether they're from toronto or from vancouver or whatever it doesn't matter we're going to make sure that they feel welcome and they're like part of the family and that's what we always focused on and every year i try to grow even if it was just one tiny thing Right. So the first year, it was three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think we showed five movies. Uh, I made sure to show a Toronto short at the beginning. And uh, literally, festival number one is five movies. I, I believe it was five. And did they all, and, and let's be clear, did they all play well? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone had, okay. Yeah. The, like, I remember the, uh, the guy who showed his very first movie, Gavin Heffernan, just, wonderful human being and it was his first feature that he had ever made and he made it on nothing and his his friends all helped him when they were going to school in montreal and uh his mom was in it <laughs> and it was uh it, it it wasn't a perfect movie but it was there was something about it that just grabbed me and wouldn't let me go and i went like this i don't know who this guy is but this is a guy who has to open up the movie uh the festival and uh, now he's he's doing big things in L.A. and he's doing really, really big things with a huge studio down there. And he even shoots stuff. Rolling Stones has used his his uh, film work for their concerts amazing. and a whole bunch of other amazing stuff. And, and we still like if, if he's in town, we still hang out. And so the business model in the early days, and again, I'm, I'm sure these things evolve over you know, 20th anniversaries next year. A business model is, you know, we're going to get enough funding from the government or sponsors or grants to sort of cover this thing. Ticket sales are probably gravy. They, you know, maybe pay for the, the rental of the theater and and so forth. You know, is it also deals that get made, distribution that happens, or is it essentially let's just make sure that there's enough to make this thing go and then we'll get to 2025 and then so on and so on and so on. Is that kind of, kind of, and it also, no, you know what, Here, here's how even more simplified is let's grab some sponsors and everything has to be paid with the money I get from the sponsors. Yeah. Okay. So then if I sell any tickets and then, I mean, at first I thought, Oh yeah, we're going to sell out every show. This is amazing. We didn't, we had very modest, uh, crowds, but they were a good crowd. I think our first crowd, I think it was a hundred. I remember it was 120 or 140 people. Forget one of those. And I remember the thing started and I go outside and I sit down and I'm like, I'm, I'm devastated. And Sylvia, who's this awesome volunteer coordinator person that just decided to volunteer and help us. She comes out. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, like, I feel like there's hardly anybody here. 
It's a 300 or 400 seat theater at the Royal, right? So um, she's like, you have, you have like over a hundred people in there. That's more than most festivals. Burn, it's okay. It's your first day. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This is a glass half. This is a glass half full situation. Right? Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, so I'm yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. And then um, the ticket sales couldn't pay for anything. I had to say it's got to be all paid. So I, I happened to know somebody who was an executive at a at this company, and they threw in some money. And I, I think that was it. Like it was so little money. It was unbelievable. I think it was like five grand. So I was like, okay, $5,000. That's my budget. So what can I do with that? The movies, maybe a party with some drink tickets. And that's about it. Especially with like the emerging filmmakers, they, they don't expect much, but if they have a platform then to show, you know, show off all their hard work, then they're happy. And that's what I tried to at least put forward, especially in those first few years, just to make sure that platform was perfect. And then all the bells and whistles that came later is when I, you know, if I, when I do get more sponsorship, I, then I try to add even more stuff. I imagine those early days, you've got a three-day film festival. There's roughly 362 other days in the year. It doesn't sound like this film festival is carrying you through the year but what else what else are you doing in those early days are you working in the industry what do you what else are you doing to- yeah like i said i wanted to be a writer i was writing a lot and trying shooting some like little movies and all that but that absolutely does not pay the bills i worked for a cable company and that funded the like me doing the the festival because the festival was paying me zero dollars and uh it i would just take vacation time when the festival happened i would take a week off and work like when I get home from work, then I'd work on the festival, which meant I was working like sixteen hour days every single day uh, in the lead up to the to the festival. So, was there a, a moment or an event or a, a point in time where you said or were able to say this is a thing enough that I'm not going to work in that cubicle? Like, what what was it that had you have either the confidence or the the foolishness to say? all right, this is going to be the thing that I do. So what happened is I eventually left that cable company because they were just horrible to work for. So I left there and then I was like, okay, I'm going to concentrate on this. But that was also, that was 2007, I think. And 2008, we did like, I did an edition of the festival and it was great. And then, but in gearing up for 2009, 2008, the economy took a nosedive. Yeah. And, Finding sponsorships was, it was like next to impossible. So uh, also getting government money, it still was, it was almost impossible for us because every time I tried to get government money, they were like, oh, you have to be in operation for at least two years. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. And then when that time was over there, they said, oh, you have to be in operation for three years. I'm like, "Uh, okay. Like there were always issues with my applications. Also, I didn't know how to write grant applications as well as I do now. So there was that as well. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm just talking smack about the uh, about the granting agencies. So it was definitely also me. So in 2008, then we closed the festival down. Oh. And we went on hiatus for like four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then in 2012, we I, we, I decided to come back. And uh, so I went from – in 2008, the last edition had uh, – it was a five-day festival. 
2012, when I came back, I went back to a three-day festival because older and wiser burn. I'm like, okay, let's do what we can manage. Let's keep it small. And I don't think there will be big crowds because if you go on hiatus, you lose some of your audience. Yeah. And you lose some of your momentum and your... Yeah. Like I'm even seeing that now that we came back after COVID, our numbers were down. I mean, every festival is experiencing the same thing. But um, you got to be patient. You got to build those numbers up again. So 2012, I had new tools in social media, which we did not have before. We had some social media tools, but people weren't addicted to social media yet. So now I was able to specifically target people who like movies, who were in town. And I was a bit shocked at how many people came out that first in 2012 and how well received everything was. And just so I, I get a sense, 2012, what are good numbers in terms of audience size? Hmm. So in 2012, yeah, we were at the Royal again. It was half full to full theaters. Okay. Back then when I used to do programming, I don't do programming anymore, but I would know which movies would sell out or get close to selling out. By, by intuition or by, oh, Sarah Pauly's in that one, that's probably going to do well. It's a bunch of things. One is if, if it's local you autom- and a premiere, you automatically get more bums and seats. Yeah. Friends and family. Yeah. Genre movies are easy sells. I, I remember a few years ago, my uh, a new programmer, who, who's actually now the festival director, Ashley Rains, she didn't want to program this one movie on a for it was a closing night or opening night, I forget which it was. Because she's like, that's not our strongest, one of our strongest movies. I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. I need a, we need a full house. This is a genre movie. It's a horror movie. We're putting a horror movie as a closing, it was closing night. That's right. And yeah, we, we sold out. Between 2012 and like 2019, I imagine you've got your momentum back. You didn't need to take another hiatus, I'm guessing. I, I imagine you're going into 2020 with some tailwind. Like what was it like going into that year? Oh my God. I feel like, yeah, like uh, Ray Liotta talking about the glory days. <laughs> back right you know i remember when walking into that room the whole room would just it it was amazing because we up uh, 2019 it got to the point where we were having a huge opening night and a huge closing night party so we'd have great shows five days of, of movies all over the place All the movies were sold out or like 75% capacity. Industry series is going well. Like it was just was going so well and getting sponsors, more sponsors interested all the time. And then 2020, we're gearing up for our latest edition. I'm really looking forward to it. But we go on in March. And if we had to cancel the festival a week and a half before the festival was going to take place, which means... We had stuff printed. We have uh, we were, all the money was spent. That's I think where I'm trying to get at. Okay, and it was it was uh, it was weird because I didn't know how to declare bankruptcy. Like, where do you get those forms? Or it's just it's that just on the net. I'm like, I literally was googling how to declare bankruptcy <laughs> uh, because sponsors. Some sponsors started asking for their money back. Yeah. I'm saying, okay, we're postponed. Uh, we'll go on, you know, we'll go on soon. But as everyone remembers, that was that time when even the government was saying two weeks, we're going to shut down for two weeks. But I knew, not that I'm a doctor or a scientist or anything, but I knew that vaccines take 12 years, let alone 
like to make, let alone getting them out to make our community safe enough to go out. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, and you're, if, if I think about the moving parts, one, yes, you, you need to have an environment that is safe enough that hundreds of people can get into a, into a theater. Yeah. But I can't imagine that it's easy to stand up with short notice a film festival where you need locations, you need theaters, you need to sell tickets. The we're going to put it on pause must have been a incredibly difficult and you know somewhat quick decision once it happened. The when it was going to open up again had so much more lead time and so much more complexity, I have to imagine. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was like um so I closed the fat it was I wake up and I woke up in the morning and we thought, yeah, we've bought extra hand sanitizer. We've got funny handshakes with no hands. We've got like we're Cineplex has has their procedures and extra things in the venue. We're gonna be fine. But as I watched the news that day, by the end of the day, I'm like, we have to cancel. Like the world is just about to shut down. I let my board of directors know and I I remember I paid everybody. Like I got rid of all the money that was in my bank account, I put into people's other people's bank accounts. Wow. Uh, even people that hadn't started their job yet. And I'm like, I know there's no volunteer coordinator needed. Please take this money. I'm about to shut down. So then I make the announcement that we're we're not we're canceling the festival or postponing it. I forget my exact wording. Uh, because I it's not I don't want people getting sick or even dying just because I want to show some movies. That was, uh, we were the first Toronto f- event to cancel. Uh, then the th- it was like, everyone was waiting for someone else to cancel. And then other people canceled. It was a domino effect. It seemed like to me. Uh, and um, then there were the next couple of weeks, it was just like this limbo time. I've got sponsors now asking for their money back. I have no money. I don't know what the grants are going to do. Like, are those granting foundations going to ask for their money back? I'm like, I can't see that happening, but you never know. Now I've got filmmakers saying, so are we showing my movie or what? Can't we just show it in a couple of months? Like, can't you just reschedule in a couple of months? And I'm thinking, no, like, this is it for the rest of our lives. We're never going out of our houses again. And and there's a there's a crazy additional layer to that time that, you know, I think existed for entrepreneurs, right? I yeah. You know, I remember the the sort of mental strain of what am I doing personally? How am I keeping my family safe? But then there's this whole other part of my brain that is, how do I keep my staff safe? How do I mm-hmm. continue to run this business? What, you know, what's going to happen with clients? And it maybe doesn't need to be highlighted, but I think sort of highlighting the trying to figure out what you're doing with a business that depends on people being together while at the same time trying to figure out just as a human being in in the world, what's going on is a is just a tremendously complex place to be. It really was, and I was impatient. Obviously, you know, I've got all these uh, impatient now filmmakers or distributors, and I don't want to lose all this these amazing this amazing audience that I built up over the last five years or so. And uh, I just started talking to a neighbor of mine actually, who happens to be in the industry as well, and. Um, he also was a C- is a CFF alumnus, and he's like, "Would you be up for maybe talking to? I've, I know people at Super Channel. Maybe you could show the movies on there or something. Does that make sense?" I'm like, "Yes, that makes perfect sense." 
get me on the phone with them. Let's let's see if if it makes sense to them. And um, I talked to the the president of Super Channel, Don McDonald, uh, just a great guy, and he genuinely likes helping Canadian filmmakers. And we both agreed that we could use Super Channel's platform, and they came on as a sponsor. Uh, they're they're very generous. They're still a sponsor, and they they saved the festival. They said, "Show your movies on our channel. We are we have a four, over four hundred thousand subscribers across Canada. Uh, it's behind a pay a, a, like a paywall, so you have to subscribe. Like you have to buy a ticket in order to be able to see anything, which helped me because I can't. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pause and just say for those who don't know, just who's Super Channel. Yeah, so Super Channel is this amazing uh, channel or app or streaming service sometimes that you can find on you know your cable provider or Apple TV or Amazon. They show tons of Canadian movies on that channel. They also have a VOD um, portion of their channel. Uh, we showed on the live streaming, so we only showed our movies twice a day, and it was just you know, one at this time, one, three hours later. So West coast Canadians uh, wouldn't find it so hard to watch the movie as well. Which is in a strange way, very analogous to the actually movie going experience where theaters are also behind a paywall. And that's the person who takes your ticket and a movie in a theater plays at a very specific time. So as a kind of, you know, emergency proxy for, what you used to do kind of, you know, in real life, it, it's actually, it checks all of these crazy boxes, including being a Canadian platform, you know, that's really interesting Canadian content. Like it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, well, that's kind of a match made in heaven moment. You it, know? it really was. It really was because also Don, to his credit, well, to his credit, because he agreed with me, I guess, is that he wanted it to be <laughs> He was wise, as much, a wise man right? for agreeing with you. <laughs> God, these people are so smart when they agree with me, (laughs) is that he wanted to have a festival experience, which is exactly what I want. I didn't want to just give them a bunch of movies. That completely defeats the purpose of a film festival. So I said, I'm going to work. We pre-recorded intros. Like I always intro the film or our programmers now. We intro the film beforehand. Then we do a Q&A with the filmmakers afterwards. And I said, I want to still do that. So I had a camera guy come to my house and he stood like at least, you know, a few meters away from me. And he just filmed me on my porch doing film intros. It was so funny. It was uh, it was so weird and surreal, too. We also uh, videoed Q&As with all the filmmakers of each movie. And we had like, what, we had like 40 movies all told, something like oh, that, wow. 38 movies. And we did Q&As with them that we would release online as soon as the movie ended. So yeah. And it was, it was really quite, it was a lot, but mostly I wanted, even though we are not going to be in person, it still has to be a film festival experience. So I taught so many people about zoom. (laughs) I remember those days, this amazing new little app. Yeah. How long after, okay. Like we're pulling the plug. Were you able to stand up this kind of, interesting online version, emergency kind of pivot film festival. Emergency is the perfect word because we had to do it extremely quickly. I remember talking to Don, I think it was on a, on a, on a Monday 
the very first conversation. By Thursday, contracts are signed. And then my team, I had my team all meet up on Friday and I'm like, okay, guys, this is what's happening. Uh, I want to, we're going to show all the movies on Super Channel. They're going to show also my pre-recorded uh, intros, but we have to put everything else, the industry series events. I want our, my, our party. I want, you know what? Let's do red carpet. We even added stuff. Let's do red carpet interviews. Like, but I want it all available online. And how do we make it look slick? How do we also broadcast it out to YouTube and Facebook uh, at the same time? How do we do that? I don't know how, and it's got, I want overlays. I want people, lower thirds of people's names on them. It's got to look slick. So in, in a very short period of time, you went from Googling, how do I declare bankruptcy to how do I stream I, stuff on Facebook? Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> nothing was, nothing, there were no YouTube tutorials because turned out we were the first people to do this uh, in Canada and probably in the world on this level. And so there was nowhere to find out how to do this because we were combining uh tri- like a traditional like cable centered like cable provider centered s- platform and super channel and the online world so how do you combine those and uh and, and and i imagine you've got to do it quickly because someone who's decided to put their film in your festival is isn't interested in having it you know premiere a year and a half later, there must be a window before people just start yanking the the content and the value proposition's gone, right? Exactly, because distributors who half the films have distributors already, and they're not going to want to wait a year or two years because then the movies the movie expires; they can't sell it anymore. And we also, and I, I didn't, I, I don't want to program a whole other festival if I do it in six months. It's got to be right away. Uh, Super Channel agreed with me. We ran. So we were go- supposed to go on at the end of March. We ended up going on at the end of May. Jeez. It was just two months, like from the time I canceled and then a couple of weeks just in limbo. And then all of a sudden we were like, okay, we have a month and a half to pull this off. How do we do this? One guy in my crew happens to be a gamer. He knows how to stream on Twitch. I'm like, yeah, can you do that same thing though to, to these two platforms, social media platforms at the same time? He's like, well, yeah, I think I think so. Let me just figure it out. I'm like, well, you go figure that out. I'm going to go over here. We're going to write some scripts with my crew about how to uh, organize people and use this new thing called Zoom. I'm like, can you go over there? You go in the corner. You uh, work on that. Find it. Figure out how Zoom works. I'm going to contact these filmmakers see if they're still in because not everybody could stay in. There were a couple people who there was one one movie that couldn't go on because they already had distribution deal with a broadcast deal. Sorry. Cool. No problem. That's that's how the film business operates. All of the filmmakers were extremely happy with how it went. We had opening night parties, closing night parties that had a couple hundred people there on Zoom with a DJ. It was it was fun, like for what it was. And I was and this must have been a very symbiotic relationship. Like people are not going out; they're going to be watching their content at home. Super Channel wants to be doing something unique and bringing unique content you guys need a need an outlet and and kind of a provider and a platform you sort of fast forward to the end of it you know you've had the parties you said there was 400,000 subscribers to to super channel it, were there more eyeballs on the content than there would have been if you had them in in the theaters like how did it just go from a number standpoint that's an interesting question that can't be answered because everybody wanted to know right but you can't it's it's against the law to like figure out how many people are watching your service. 
You can't. Wow. Okay. You you can't like you, you how do I say it? you can't measure that without breaking the law. So you don't know. Uh, we do know that there. I hope I get these numbers right. It was like they, I think they said four hundred thousand plus four hundred thousand plus subscribers. That was in twenty twenty. They are now up to four hundred fifty thousand plus subscribers. Um, so it's quite a, it's quite a few people who subscribe to the service. It's only ten bucks a month. It's like not even the price of a movie ticket. All right, but you get all these movies, and they've got they do have really good movies on that channel. And yeah, there's because uh, people just turn on the channel. You don't know who's turning on the channel at that moment. But if we have a full house and we have that's like three hundred and is it three hundred twenty or three to three hundred ninety, depending on the theater we're in, there have got to be more than that that are watching. Yeah, we that just would be that would be point sure. zero zero zero. Eight percent of the subscriber base. So yeah, 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 exactly, right? Yeah, it's exactly. And we know that. Ugh, I talked to so many people who, especially people that weren't in town or not from Toronto, I should say. But I would meet their parents, and their parents are like, "Yeah, I would never have gone to Toronto because we can't, we just we can't afford that." But I got to experience the festival, you know, here and on Super Channel. We signed up for Super Channel, like why wouldn't we? And uh, uh, other people, like just strangers who would comment online that they love the movies and this and that. So no exact way to know. But our reach now is is that many people and across Canada. Um, and so, you know, here we are on the other side-ish of the, of the pandemic in 2023. What, what does the film festival look like now? I, I assume you've gone some version of hybrid the way that lots of things have happened. Yeah, so every year since 2020, it changed a little bit. Uh, in 2021, I could tell people, me included, were tired of being on Zoom calls. So I didn't think the parties, for example, were going to be as big. Uh, and they weren't, and that's fine. It was mostly filmmakers and people who took uh, part in the festival, and it went great. Uh, the industry series stuff was still well attended, even on Zoom. And the next year after that, I didn't, I'm like, let's not even have opening night, closing night parties. Nobody's going to come. I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's like put that aside. We're just going to focus on the industry series. That's more important. So that still was, that was well attended last year. As in 2022, we did um, a, a special, uh, it was called Action on Women Film Summit. And it was all about, issues that that women or non-binary people are facing in uh, the workplace or in getting films made or in in that vein. It was based on a report that was done by the government a little while ago. That was extremely well attended. And but but I could tell that people were getting even more tired of being on Zoom calls. So no party as well. This year we did a hybrid event, which we were finally back in real life. We uh, we were at the at the Scotiabank Theater downtown Toronto, and at the same time we would play the movies on Super Channel. So uh, we're looking at doing um, just in person, although Super Channel is still a sponsor. There we're just shifting again, just to maximize you know what we can offer and what and what people want will be advertising and stuff like that on super channel uh, but not showing the movies interesting so every year it's changed a little bit and 
we just figured this is probably we're just trying to read the you know the vibe out there and it seems like this is probably the right way to go now and uh that's how yeah that's how it's going to change for the for next year still you know what neil just like you said before though still the movies have to play perfectly yes (laughs) and then after that everything's just icing well i very very much appreciate this conversation it's uh one of the things that i love most about uh about being a, a part of all of this is hearing these stories about worlds that I, I just, I don't inhabit. And you've taken me on a really interesting journey from 2004 to today. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is very cool. If this episode got you interested in the Canadian Film Festival, we are just over a month away from the 2024 edition of the festival running. It goes from March 18th to March 23rd, and you can visit canfilmfest.ca for more. And for more of the Innovation Day podcast, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We have one dropping every two weeks. The Innovation Day podcast is brought to you by Studio 245. It's hosted by Neil Follett and produced by me, Daryl Webster, with Chess Originals. If you have any feedback, comments, or an idea for a guest, you can reach us at neil at innovationday.ca.